So if you find that you're experiencing intrusive thoughts and there is that tendency to have a behavior as a result of those intrusive thoughts, like avoiding or not wanting to do something, it is important to seek that help and that extra level of support so that you can enjoy your motherhood experience and connect with your baby and bond with your baby in these meaningful ways without having to be afraid that something terrible is going to happen. I'd like to give you a trigger warning with this episode, as we'll be talking about a very serious and intense topic, so please only listen if you're feeling supported and are in a safe environment. When you enter motherhood, it's so common to get the statement, isn't it amazing? Or aren't you just in love? But what if you don't feel that way? What if you've been struggling with falling in love with your baby? What if you've been having constant negative thoughts about the experience or how you're doing as a new mom? Or what if you're even having scary thoughts about harming or harm coming to you or your baby? Believe it or not, the amount of women who've told me that they've experienced this is more than you would imagine. So that's why I was so grateful when today's guest, Dr. Alice Pickering, was open to discussing it with me. She's a licensed clinical psychologist, perinatal mental health professional, and a certified trauma specialist, as well as a mom of two who has experienced this herself. Listen along to learn how to manage these feelings and thoughts and how to find support. You are not alone. Okay, I have a confession. It's safe to say that I spent 95% of the past year and a half in comfy clothes. And most days, PJs. Yeah, it's true. And you might have too. And you know, that's okay. I give you permission to always be cozy. And lucky for you, I have found the coziest clothes around from Kindred Bravely. From their PJs to their leggings, bras, shirts, and unbelievably cozy sweaters, they're perfect for this fall weather. And for always, let's be honest. Every piece of clothing I have from Kindred Bravely is made out of the most luxurious fabric I have ever felt. It's like wearing a soft cloud all day long. The best thing about Kindred Bravely's products is that the founder and CEO, a mother of two, created them with you in mind, a woman and a mom. Since I'm a mama in training, I haven't personally used their nursing bras. However, I surveyed my community of mamas and almost 100% of them recommended Kindred Bravely over another nursing bra. So if you're ready to get cozy, it's time to treat yourself. Go to kindredbravely.com and use the promo code TRAINING20 to get 20% off. That's K-I-N-D-R-E-D-B-R-A-V-E-L-Y.com and use the code TRAINING20. The link is in the show notes. Here's to getting cozy. I am really, really grateful and honored to have you join me with this conversation today because this has been a conversation that's literally, so I have this list of episode ideas and things that I want to cover based off of what people write into me about. This topic today, I have had the hardest time finding the perfect person to cover this. And so when you said yes to talking with me, I was so grateful because I knew that you would be the absolute perfect person. And this is not an easy conversation. So first of all, thank you for your time and for your openness to talk about something that's a little bit more challenging today. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm more than happy to address it, discuss the ins and outs of the topic because it comes with so much shame, right? So, so much shame when yeah. when moms just don't feel all these lovey-dovey butterfly feelings towards my infant. And that just feels so counterintuitive in a sense to, to what we think we should be feeling and experiencing. So most often when we go through this pregnancy phase and people are coming up to us, the most common comment you probably hear is, oh my gosh, are you so excited? Just you wait, it's going to be amazing. And then once you give birth, you often probably hear something that's like, oh, don't you just love it? Don't you love those snuggles? And oh, it must feel amazing and all of these things. But surprisingly so, what I have found most often is many more women than not have told me please talk about what if you don't find that love and connection for your baby right away. And fortunately, I have had some guests come on and share their experience, but oftentimes it's connected to either a really hard birthing experience, a traumatic birthing experience, but it might not always be because of some sort of birth trauma. You might just not feel that connection. So we're going to talk all about this today. And my very first question for you is just, it's kind of, I guess, an open and broad one, but what do we do and how do we know whether we're just hormonal and exhausted or when it's actually a really scary problem? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, such a great, such a great question. So when we're looking at bonding with our baby and connecting with our baby, and maybe we feel some level of disconnect, one thing I want to say is that that experience is going to look differently for everybody, right? But I want to also say that it makes you human to not have those feelings like explode the second you give birth to your child or the second that you have and meet your child face to face, right? However, um, that looks and you're growing your family. But uh, so much of that expectation is that, yep, I'm going to feel immediately connected. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to know exactly what my baby needs, what my baby wants. I'm, I'm a mom. I meant to do this, or I, I was meant to birth a child, right? Like all of these different ideas and expectations that come to the forefront that we are not even aware that they're there. They've been behind the scenes. It's a narrative that we've played or heard throughout our entire lives. And so when that narrative doesn't mesh with our reality, we start to like internalize like, okay, what is wrong with me? Why am I not experiencing this? Why don't I feel connected to my baby? It means I don't. And we, and we start to try to make meaning out of right, this feeling, right? right? It, it must mean I don't love my baby. It must mean, you know, I need to try harder. I need to be doing more. I need to adjust this or I need to right? like we're trying to or it could maybe even go more solve. negatively it could maybe even go more negatively right where we think like it's us like oh well we must not be a good mom oh well we mm -hmm. aren't good enough and probably that's all backed up by whatever past we have or other experiences yes. or messages we've been given it's just this big snowball effect Absolutely. Or and internalizing it to, you know, well, I'm not meant to be a mom. I wasn't meant to do this, right? All mm. of these different things. And comparison creeps in. And well, nobody talked about this. Like my friend who just had a baby, she looks so happy, right? And, and we see <laughs> those pictures, those perfectly curated pictures on social media that contribute to that false narrative that we, you know, believe. And so one thing I want to say that 
it, most moms, a lot of moms don't feel immediately connected to their baby when they have them. That, that bond and that relationship takes time. And, you know, that time range is going to look a little bit differently for everybody, but some red flags, right, to kind of look out for. And maybe when we're looking towards something like postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety um, is to look for other symptoms alongside that, right? Like just as a standalone of like, yeah, well, I'm not really feeling very connected to my baby, but like, I'm not really experiencing anything else. I'm kind of every, you know, day to day, I seem okay. I'm generally pretty happy. I'm kind of just doing my things. I'm figuring things out as I go. And so I'm like, okay, when we're looking at something like postpartum depression, there are a lot of different symptoms that come up alongside that. And sometimes I think that's where that worry is, is we, you know, and it's, I don't want to minimize the experience of postpartum depression. Like, in any way, shape or form, right? That's not what I'm getting at over here at all. But sometimes it's that experience of not feeling connected to the baby is immediately interpreted as like, okay, I'm, I'm experiencing depression, right? There's something right. wrong here. And that may not be the case. It may be, but it may not be. And so to, to assess for some other symptoms, when we're looking at something like depression, we're looking at what is the mood like overall? Is there uh, anger and agitation and irritability and sadness? Has that been kind of your predominant mood for at least two weeks? Like, is that your baseline where you've been out for a period of time? Are you retreating? Are you no longer finding meaning and value and purpose? Really looking at those mood-related symptoms. Are there thoughts of self-harm, thoughts of wanting to run away and never come back and not wanting to be involved with your baby at all, right? And so that's when we're tiptoeing more on something like perhaps postpartum depression or, or anxiety. So yeah, I don't, did, I hope that that answered. <laughs> we're kind of no, provided that, some that, clarification it, it absolutely that. did. Yeah, I think it's really important, that key that you mentioned, because there's absolutely nothing wrong with having that diagnosis of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, but you also don't want to jump to a conclusion like you you mentioned without really surveying the land. And it could be just the fact that your life has been turned upside down and now you have a human that you're taking care of and where's your identity, you know, but it might not go any deeper than that. So I think that is essential, really being able to, would you say kind of it's like a two-week mark of surveying the land and how you're feeling? Yeah. So when we're looking at something like depression, we're looking at that baseline uh, or that uh, minimum symptom duration of about two weeks consistently. The thing with depression is that it can pop in at any point in time, right? Throughout that first year, two years postpartum. When we're looking at something like, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on the baby blues a little bit. Yes. Um, Usually that first like two to three weeks immediately following childbirth. So you're not going to develop the baby blues like eight months down the road, right? Or 10 months into your postpartum journey. If symptoms like that start to show up, it's probably an indicator that there's something more there and it's not the baby blues. So the baby blues generally take place as a result of those big hormonal fluctuations that come up after childbirth. And so sometimes that not feeling connected to your baby could be the baby blues, right? In those first two to three weeks. 
when it when you're continuing to experience symptoms or if they haven't resolved on their own and they extend beyond that two to three week period, we're looking at something that's beyond the baby blues. And that's when I encourage moms that if they're struggling, if they're really, really struggling to adjust to that role of motherhood and they're finding that they're having a really hard time, um, it doesn't hurt to seek out some support, whether whether that's, you know, support groups, like free support groups and connecting with other moms just to feel validated within that experience, whether that's reaching out for professional support to like a psychologist or a therapist, maybe that's pharmacological intervention, treatment and support looks differently for every single individual. But I always encourage moms to not remain stuck in that level of isolation and kind of keeping those feelings to themselves, but really opening up about what they're experiencing and what they're feeling. And part of one of those experiences might be not feeling that level of connection to a baby, right? Would you say that there's anything for someone who might be listening who's currently expecting or they're an aspiring mom like me one day, what Mm -hmm. would you say is something that we can do to prepare ourselves? And now it's hard for me to... I don't want to ask the question that's like, prepare ourselves to not feel this way, because you don't know how you're going to feel. But is there something that we can do to set ourselves up for success so that if this feeling does creep in, we either have tools to handle it right away? Or what would you suggest? Yeah, I think the biggest thing when it comes to preparing is really putting in place your your support system, right? So getting that level of support, whether that's, you know, a family member, like your like a parent or a sibling, your spouse or your partner, you know, really beefing up that level of support for yourself so that if something like this happens, you have somebody to turn to, to that you feel comfortable and safe to talk about, you know, or to talk to about these various things and feelings that can come up. So really honing in on that support system and really, you know, thinking about who's somebody I can trust and rely on and somebody that's going to be there for me. And then educational support, right? Like that's a big thing. So really learning about, okay, what is postpartum depression? What are the signs and symptoms so that if I find that I am experiencing X, Y, and Z, I can get myself the help and the support that I need instead of scrambling around last minute trying to find somebody or when I'm in the thick of it and I'm not motivated and I don't want to do anything, right? It's it's really preparing and kind of having that level of educational awareness that could be really helpful during that time. So, and really setting up that level of practical support, which which would be things like meal planning or having, if possible, somebody to do your laundry, like a family member, maybe your mom's in town and she can help watch the baby at night while you're sleeping and resting and honoring that and using those moments of free time to bond and connect with your baby in different ways, right? Like if you're finding that you're struggling in that regard. And so maybe that's doing things like talking and singing with your baby, baby wearing and having that, doing skin to skin and kisses and snuggling, right? Like all of these little things that can really help facilitate some of that connection and that bond, breastfeeding or bottle feeding, really focusing on those things during those early weeks and months while you have that other level of support that may be available for you, like that practical support. So you're not you're not cooking a ton of meals, right? Because you've got that planned and prepared. And so 
you can spend that time really soaking up those little moments and and snuggling your newborn and facilitating and connecting that attachment and that bond um, instead of, you know, you're preparing meals and you're doing X, Y, and Z and you're cleaning the laundry and you're doing all of these other things. That's like, yeah, no, let's, we just need to rest and take it very easy. Just take it slow. Um, time really does slow down a lot in those early months and that's okay. Yeah. That's a beautiful way of putting it too. Can we talk about negative thoughts and then also intrusive, obsessive thoughts? So first of all, what is the difference between the two negative thoughts and yeah. negative thought patterns and, and then intrusive slash obsessive thoughts? Yeah, negative thought patterns, I call, they're commonly referred to as like cognitive distortions or thinking traps. And we all experience them. There are several of them that kind of can creep up. And one of the biggest ones that I see often is should, right? Like I should... I should do this. I should be enjoying this time more. I should be able to clean up my house, feed my child, do the dishes, keep a tight hat, right? Like I should be able to do all of these <laughs> things still. And really aligning with with some pretty unreal, unrealistic expectations that we we find that we're putting on ourselves primarily in those early weeks and months. And so those are thinking traps. Like we fall into this thinking trap of thinking we should be doing certain things or that something must be a certain way. Something like, you know, the only way to, to feed my child is like, I have to breastfeed, right? And, and being so rigid within that without considering that like, okay, maybe there are some other alternatives or other things that we can look at here. So that's kind of what cognitive errors and thinking traps involve is, is falling into this line of thinking that really is unhelpful doesn't lend itself to cognitive flexibility because we're so rigid and focused on the way things should be. We're mm. labeling ourselves a failure, right? Telling ourselves we're not good enough, not acknowledging all that we're doing and instead focusing on the things that we're not doing, right? right. Those are all thinking traps that don't serve us. That's like negative thinking. When we're looking at intrusive thoughts, those are random thoughts that really like just pop into our heads at random times. And often they are related to harm coming to either yourself or your infant or somebody in your family, or really these uh, unsettling impulses and thoughts and urges. That's, that's what an intrusion is, like an intrusive Thought. And, and I read, I think it was on your website or on a blog or something like that, but that approximately this is a really important statistic for everyone to hear. Mm -hmm. With intrusive and obsessive thoughts, approximately 91% of new mothers and 88% of new fathers report obsessive or intrusive thoughts about their baby. That is such an important thing to hear. I always am trying to encourage people, you are not alone. That's the whole point of this whole thing. First of all, you're a mom of two. Did you ever experience either of these, whether it was the negative thought patterns or, or the intrusive obsessive thoughts? Yes, absolutely. My biggest, so I can talk about the difference between the two of those from my personal experience, primarily with my first. I it's no secret. I struggled a ton with my first and my transition to 
to becoming a mom. I absolutely did not prepare. I just thought like, I'm going to have a baby and I'm going to love this baby. I've wanted to be a mom forever. This is my dream. Like everything that I ever imagined and expected is happening and it's coming true. Right. And so I was kind of in this like blissful bubble of everything's going to be great. I'm prepared. I have the baby room prepared. I have all the gadgets and everything that I need for my baby. I've got her nursery set up. I've got my whole station for like all of this stuff. Right. And I was like hit by a ton of bricks when my birth didn't go as expected. Like all of these things just, you know, trickle down and I had a really, really hard adjustment. And a lot of my, for me personally, one of the thinking traps that I fell into and brought into that early motherhood experience was I should know how to do this. I should be able to do all of this. I shouldn't have to ask for help. Others should know exactly what I need, right? Or like my husband should should know what I need, right? Like he Mm -hmm. should... He should know that I'm not sleeping well at night and that I need his help at night without communicating that I need his help. Like he just needs to know that I need help. Right. And and as much as I would like, that would be great if he could read my mind. He can't. And, and for me, it was really realizing that it's okay to get help. It's okay to seek support. It's okay to say that you're struggling. It's okay to reach out to somebody else and say, you know what, like, can you please bring me a meal? I've, I don't have the energy to cook. Like I, yes, I will accept a warm meal, you know? Um, I will accept that helping hand if it's available. And so for me, I found that that was the biggest thinking trap that I had fallen into in those early months was that I should be able to do it all by myself. And I struggled with quite a bit of perfectionism while I did for a, a period of time. I still do, but I'm like mindful about all of that. But it lent itself to a lot of rigidity for me in those early months without the ability to be flexible, to pivot as I needed to. And so that thinking trap for me was so prevalent, like you should do it all. And it lent itself to all of these behaviors that weren't helpful. I was trying to wash the dishes. I was trying to do the laundry. I was trying to cook meals. I was trying to be the best wife that I could be. I was trying to take care of my baby in every single way imaginable and all of these things. And it just, things just kept piling on and on and on and on. And I just couldn't like, I couldn't handle it anymore because I was placing so much pressure on myself to continue doing it all. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Those were the thinking traps that I was spiraling, spiraling down. When it comes to the intrusive thoughts that I experienced, that was like a whole nother beast. Those, those were terrifying for me. The intrusive thoughts that I experienced were things like if I was driving in my car with my baby, like all of a sudden just having this thought that like, what if I drove my car off the road and something terrible happened to us? What if I take this turn into oncoming traffic and we get into this accident? So it was really, those intrusive thoughts were just so random and they would come at the most bizarre times, right? Or walking down the street and pushing my baby in the stroller. She was a winter baby and over here in Arizona, like 
the months are nice and cool, the weather's beautiful. So I would go on walks when I could. And then they would have these intrusive thoughts of like, what if you pushed your baby into the street and it got hit by a car? Like just these random Mm -hmm. urges and impulses or dropping my baby. Like at my parents' house, they have stairs, right? And I had this, just like this image that you can visually see of like dropping my baby down that flight of stairs or tripping down that flight of stairs tumbling down with my baby and something terrible happening to me or my baby. And so mm. that's that's where those intrusive thoughts came from. And I work with moms who struggle with intrusive thoughts and it's hard to experience those because they feel so unsettling. And some of us are really great about letting those go and just kind of like not making them a big deal, but sometimes we latch onto those thoughts and again like we try to make meaning out of those thoughts Mm. and it leads to avoidance, right? And and that fear that, okay, well, I'm I'm not going to go on a walk because I might actually do that. I'm terrified that I'm going to intentionally push my baby into the street. I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt my baby. I love my baby. That's the last thing that I would want. It leads to avoidance. So you stop going on walks, right? You stop doing those things you love because of that avoidance as a result of those intrusive thoughts. So that's kind of where intrusive thoughts come into play and can really suck the joy out of those early experiences. And that level of connection with the baby is being removed. She's not wanting to respond to her baby. She's not wanting to hold her baby because she's terrified that she might do something. Even though, again, that's like the furthest thing from what is is reality and, and what that mom would want. Well, thank you for sharing your personal experience and thoughts, because while I'm sure that that's not easy either to relive and say it out loud or even to just put out into the world, I think it's really helpful for us to understand that even somebody who this is their main focus in educating and supporting others, that you still experienced that, you know, it is and can be normal, and it doesn't mean or is any reflection on you as a mother or as a woman, or if this is a father listening as a father or a partner or anybody, what do we do? What are some practical ways that we can manage at that moment? Yeah. So when it comes to intrusive thoughts, I actually have like a, a, a little mini course on just the specific topic alone, because it's so prevalent. Again, like 91% <laughs> of new parents experience some level of intrusive thoughts. And so I have a a course on this that kind of dives into some of these things that we can do, you know, why they happen and why they take place. But some of those things that we can do in those, those moments is to really get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that is so much harder to do, right? It's easier said than done. Like, absolutely. And so it, it really is desensitizing. And and I know sometimes that word can seem like it has a negative connotation. But in these instances, we do want to work to desensitize ourselves to those thoughts, right? To, To not make them a big deal, because they're, at the end of the day, not a reflection of what we actually want to happen. They're not an indicator that we're going to act out on those thoughts. We're not suddenly a danger to our children. Like, that's the furthest thing. The fact that we're aware of them, 
is a really good thing. Like we want to be aware and it's great that we're aware that we're having these thoughts. So in those moments, it's, it's to do those things that are uncomfortable. For example, if there is that intrusive thought that's, oh my goodness, I'm going to drop my baby down the stairs. It's going down the stairs with your baby and allowing yourself to realize that nope, I am not going to drop my baby down the stairs. Mm -hmm. In therapy, that's kind of like exposure with response prevention. So you're exposing yourself to that very uncomfortable stimulus and you're not responding to it in a way that you would, which would be to avoid essentially. Most of the times it's, Mm -hmm. it's avoidance, right? Or if that intrusive thought or that fear is, I have this terrible thought that I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm coming up with so many explicit content, but if you have that, I'm going to drown my baby in the bathtub. And so there's that avoidance of not wanting to bathe your baby and and letting somebody else do it, right? Maybe you work alongside that individual and you let your partner bathe your baby and you watch and you sit and tolerate that level of discomfort while regulating your body in that moment, right? We want to send our body that signal that it's safe, that it's secure, Mm -hmm. that this isn't a threat. This isn't an imminent danger. We don't need to respond to this in a way that results in us thinking like there's a safety issue, right? So those deep breathing skills, implementing those deep breathing skills in those moments of distress, that belly breathing, that's something in those moments that we can learn to kind of regulate our body's response. And so we work up to that, right? We work up to being able to bathe our babies in a way that works for us. If This truly is a struggle for somebody. We may be looking towards something like OCD, and I think that warrants obviously some level of professional intervention and support. We don't have to struggle with these, and there is help and support available. And so if you find that you're experiencing intrusive thoughts, and there is that tendency to have a behavior as a result of those intrusive thoughts, like avoiding or not wanting to do something, it is important to seek that help and that extra level of support so that you can enjoy your motherhood experience and connect with your baby and bond with your baby in these meaningful ways without having to be afraid that something terrible is going to happen because Mm. maybe you're struggling with something like OCD, you know? Yeah. The last point I want to touch on, you mentioned it in the beginning of our conversation, but it's just this shame the shame that encompasses the whole conversation today, the shame of admitting even to a professional, even to a stranger that you aren't in love with your baby at this moment, the shame that you're having these intrusive thoughts, the shame that you're negatively putting yourself down on a daily basis all day long about you not being able to successfully breastfeed or sleep or manage in in the image that you thought it would be. So how do we manage this shame that, that might just overtake us? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is talking about it. So, so many of us keep so many of these experiences and these feelings like bottled up inside and yeah. it really just perpetuates that feeling. It It's like the perfect environment for shame to just keep growing. And, and when we can confide in somebody that we trust, when we can open ourselves up to that experience and to saying, you know what, like, this is freaking hard. I am struggling. Mm -hmm. I can't get through this alone. I need help. I need support. 
when we can admit that to ourselves and to others, it's like a burden is lifted, right? And and we find that when we open ourselves up, somebody else says, you know what, me too. I've been there and I experienced something similar. And that gives the courage to somebody else to also say, me too, right? Mm-hmm. It's and and then we we suddenly feel and we realize that oh my goodness we're not alone in this experience and i'm not a, as alone as i thought i was i don't need to isolate myself and there are others that are out there who are struggling with this very same thing that i'm struggling with and that helps to just shed that level of shame because suddenly we feel and we are validated in those experiences and that goes such a long way in our parenting journeys, right? And to really let go of that stigma that accompanies and shame and all of these other uncomfortable feelings that we don't like to talk about. Yeah, it almost becomes like a a power, a strength in numbers kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I can relate yes. it to also, obviously, I haven't experienced something like this with motherhood, but Whenever I have anything really going on in my mind, mostly, and I bring it up to my husband, he can always kind of tell before I even say it out loud. And he'll kind of say, you know, what's going on? And of course, usually I just dismiss it, which I'm trying to practice not doing. But then I get back out to communicating what it actually is. And he's really good at breaking it down and really making me realize that it's really not all that stressful or deep or as big of an issue or as big of a hurdle as I am making it out to be in my head. And I'm not saying that at all with any of these kind of intrusive thoughts or anything like that, because that is a big issue that you have to overcome. But I do think that if we do ruminate on it and keep it to ourselves that it can just grow and grow and grow and it's like if you have this intrusive thought or this obsessive thought then the negative thoughts start to pile on top of that because as you say you start to almost diagnose yourself but if we're able to communicate that with whomever we feel safest with it just sort of like I can imagine it to almost being like it pops the bubble it just sort of like opens it up and then everything starts to trickle down and it's not going to go away right away, but it's at least going to shed some, some light on it. I feel. Yes, absolutely. And, and I love what you shared with like strength and numbers, right? Mm -hmm. I think so often the experience of becoming a parent or becoming a mom sometimes can feel so isolating. And in part of that, it's, there, I mean, there's a lot of things that can contribute to that feeling of isolation, but when we can connect and make those connections with others, it, it really does help in that emotional aspect, right? To kind of keep us moving forward and propel us forward in, in those experiences that, that may come up. The last thing I wanted to share was something that I came across in, in your work on your website, which was the five S's for a successful transition into the fourth mm. trimester. These are really, really key. I just want to read them off. And then if there's anything you want to tag on at the end, but I think this is super helpful and a nice way to wrap up this conversation because it's just a good reminder for expecting moms and even new moms who are in the heat of it. And also just you know, seasoned moms too. We have to remember these five essential things. And those are sleep, sunlight, simplicity and self-care, 
support, and sustenance. And I think if we rely on those five things to make sure we're getting all equal amounts of sleep, sunlight, simplicity, self-care, support, and sustenance, we'll probably be much more likely to start feeling that love trickling in for our child or all those thoughts, negative and intrusive, might start to slowly diminish away. So that was an awesome little little nugget that I got from your website that I'm, I'm really grateful you shared. Yeah, yeah. And thanks so much for pulling me back into that and reminding me about that because it's it's true that sometimes some some of the easiest solutions are, or some of the biggest solutions are the most basic things, exactly. right? Um, sometimes there isn't this need to overcomplicate and it's really just going back to the basics, right? Reevaluating what our sleep looks like. And I know in those early months, like sleep is really difficult to come by. And so we want to prioritize like rest and sleep and really reflecting, like, are we honoring that for ourselves? Are we taking that time to, to rest when we can? Am I just sitting down on the couch and like, that's okay that I'm sitting down on the couch yeah. when my baby's sleeping my body's recovering and I'm healing and there's so much going on. We need to honor that for ourselves, right? And that that's the same with those basic nutritional needs through sustenance, having healthy fats. And, and I don't, I mean, I, I don't even want to use the word like healthy, but things that nourish general. and fuel yeah. our bodies, being outside and stepping outside of our homes feel like the sunlight on our skin, like these things that just make us feel human where in those early newborn days we're you know we're tucked away in our homes and we're trying to to soothe our little ones and get them to sleep and it's dim and dark and right like all of these yeah things. it doesn't necessarily help your your mind's health <laughs> right right or being tucked away in the baby room like rocking your little one asleep yeah. at night or whatever right like sometimes just these very basic needs can go such a long, a long, long way. If you're struggling and you're listening to this and you're saying, I've been there or I'm there, I'm in the heat of it. First of all, try some of those five tips and definitely reach out to Alice. I'm going to have all of your information in the show notes. So please go check her out, get some extra support or join her course. If you are having some intrusive thoughts and reach out to me too, info at mamasintraining.com and all of my DMs, please, because like she said, we need to keep talking about this. And I think that's the only way that the word gets out and it gets somewhat normalized. So Dr. Alice, thank you so much for your time and for your vulnerability. And I really think these conversations are what will start chipping away and, and making moms feel definitely more seen and heard. So thank you so much for everything. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and thank you for the opportunity to just shed a little bit of light. I know we didn't get into everything so heavily and deeply, but it just even scratching the surface and talking about it, it can it just goes such a long, long way. So I hope that whoever's tuning in, you know, feels a little bit less alone in in yeah. their experience or their struggle. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Just as Dr. Alice mentioned, having that support and community, especially as a new mom, is essential. That's why I hope you'll join us in the Mamas in Training Premium Circle. Join today and know that you are not alone. For only $10 a month, you'll join an exclusive group of strong and inspirational women who are just like you. 
As a Premium Circle member, you'll join us on Zoom at the end of every month. This is where you'll be able to form strong connections in breakout rooms, share where you're at, and even meet podcast guests to ask your questions to them personally. You'll also have access to our private Facebook group for premium members only. And last but not least, you'll get on-air shoutouts in future episodes. Sign up is super easy. Just click on the link in the show notes that says premium membership or go to mamasintraining.com backslash premium. Our next meeting is at the end of the month and I can't wait to see you there. If you enjoyed the show today, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so I know how to better serve you. I'd also love for you to join our community of Mamas in Training on Facebook. You can find me at Mamas in Training on Instagram and at mamasintraining.com. For Mamas in Training, I'm Jessica Lorian. We're in this together.